A leaked draft opinion from the U.S. Supreme Court published in full by Politico and confirmed by Chief Justice John Roberts as authentic suggests that the Supreme Court is on the verge of reversing Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. What does this mean for the human right to life? What does it mean for America? What does it mean at this moment in time? We're going to hear from Catherine Glenn Foster, Steve Aden, and Katie Glenn from Americans United for Life. Stay tuned. This is Life, Liberty, and Law. All right. Welcome to Life, Liberty, and Law from Americans United for Life, where we advance the human right to life in culture, law, and policy. I am Tom Shakely, and I am excited to come to you today with three of our all-stars from Americans United for Life from the team, Catherine Glenn Foster, President and CEO, Steve Aden, Chief Legal Officer and General Counsel, and Katie Glenn, Government Affairs Counsel. It is a, a momentous time for the human right to life with this leaked draft opinion. Catherine, how do you feel at this moment in time when it seems like the Supreme Court might be on the verge of reversing Roe in actuality? This really is a dramatic moment for the pro-life movement and for all Americans. For nearly 50 years now, Roe has been enormously controversial. Indeed, from the day it was handed down, it's been just so controversial. And now with this with this leak, um, there's there's this increased pressure on the court. Uh, I, I would say, you know, I, I simply applaud the court for its courage, um, for this um, this draft opinion, Justice Alito, for its clarity. Um, and, and I call upon the court to finalize its decision without further delay. Um, but in the meantime, and going forward in the years and in the decades to come, Americans United for Life is going to focus, as we always have, on the humanity of the mother and of the father and of the and of the unborn child, the child in the womb, at the heart of every abortion. Because we know that every abortion ends a human life, every abortion wounds mothers and fathers. And so I'm just looking forward to seeing this this final decision um, and getting to the point where we can let the American people and their lawmakers truly empower women and protect life. Now, that's beautiful, Catherine. I, I'm going to read just a, a bit from a statement you issued right after this leak came out uh, just in the moments after uh, from Americans United for Life. You said, Catherine, quote, we stand alongside all Americans who have waited so hopefully and for so long for the Supreme Court to reverse Roe, to set America on the path to abortion abolition, and to restore justice to our nation, you said. Today is a day for courage and hope, you said. That, that to me, spoke volumes about where we've been, where we've come from as a movement, uh, whatever our age, right, wherever we're coming to the pro-life cause from, uh, whatever our previous positions may be, all of us, all Americans who are close to this and who've discerned this and thought about it and had it weigh on their hearts uh, are, are really in this moment right now where we're just waiting with bated breath. Uh, Steve, I mean, as our chief legal officer, I know you've got so much perspective and depth of experience on this. First, just paint the scene for us. What is it like coming to this moment where it seems like this is going to happen it doesn't seem like we're not going to have the rug pulled out from under us, we hope, like uh, happened in 1992 with Planned Parenthood v. Casey. It would be surprising if any justices switched their votes this time, right? Yeah, Tom, I think it would. Um, 
this is beyond momentous. Uh, all of us have spent a good portion of our lifetimes working toward this point. Americans United for Life has been laser focused on reversing Roe uh, almost as long as we've been in existence, but we've never thought that was a reason for being. Reversing Roe is just the first milestone, the first goal toward uh, our common goal, which is to end the destruction of innocent human life. And we intend to keep working toward that uh, in all 50 states uh, and in the U.S. Congress uh, until we're done. Uh, so it's it's momentous. It's exciting. Uh, this is our moonshot, right? Um, it's it's a an eagle. The eagle has landed moment. Uh, That's right. And that is uh, absolutely phenomenal. So, um, it's uh, it's very emotional for me and for all of us. What does this look like in practice? You know, we, we have shared before, we share again now that this reversal of road does not mean a blanket ban. I know, Steve, you were on, uh, I think, BBC or something recently where that was sort of posed in that way, right? Where they said, this is going to just ban abortion all across the land. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to do that. I think, you know, abolition today would be wonderful, but this is an important step, isn't it, in empowering state lawmakers, it's the key first step in empowering state lawmakers to protect life. Uh, and But it doesn't change our central strategy, which is to work with states to do as much as they can to protect life. It just gives them the, um, the legal authority uh, to uh, go uh, much further and to protect many more millions of lives. And so we will be working with states and, as I said, with the Congress to uh, enact stronger legislation that will uh, both defend the right to life of the innocent child and protect women from uh, the uh, horrific consequences of unsafe abortion, from the dangerous chemical abortion practice that the abortion industry is developing. Um, we want an America where every person is welcomed and protected in law uh, and embraced uh, in law and in culture um, as a part of the human family. And that's what we intend to work for. Katie, what does this look like, do you think, for state lawmakers who are watching this happen right now? I know there's probably a lot of, of eagerness, a lot of excitement, but what does the next step look like on a practical level, on the ground level? Well, I think that, um, you know, our partners all across this country can take a look at the draft opinion and get a little preview and what we might see and hopefully exactly what we'll see uh, when we get a final opinion. And they can really uh, take to heart what we've been saying um, since this case was granted last year, which is keep going. Now is the time to shine for so long, you know, longer than many, pretty much anyone I've ever worked with <laughs> has even been in office, but longer than many of them have been alive. Like there's been no opportunity to, authentically um, protect life. You've been run up against this case and run up against the courts and now is the moment and we're here for it. And so what I've been reminding them is to remember who voted you here, remember what they believe in and what they want you to do and take full advantage to protect life as much as you can and be ready because when that decision drops, it will be go time. 
We're going to link to this draft opinion that's been leaked in the show notes. Uh, it's out there, right? This is the first time in American history that the entirety of a draft opinion is leaked like this. There are always you know, political leaks, whispers, rumors, um, sorts of backroom conversation. That's always been a part of just life in Washington, D.C., I think. But this is the first time that a leak of this magnitude and scope has happened, certainly in the Supreme Court's history. Um, but I think, Catherine, right, so much of the conversation around the leak and sort of the palace intrigue, right, if you're a D.C. insider, it's very interesting. And, you know, the chief justice has ordered the marshal of the court to investigate how this leak happened, you know, ideally uncover who was behind it. But it seems that a lot of that conversation about the leak and the political aspect of this can obscure uh, the heart of it. And I know there have been comments. I saw a comment from folks, some pro-abortion folks who were outside in front of the Supreme Court just in the hours after this leak hit the news, uh, making a comment to the effect that it, this just feels like a tragedy and, quote, it feels like someone has died, unquote. I was struck by that comment. I mean, Catherine, how do you speak to and, and speak empathetically and authentically to folks that have that feeling, right, that feel like someone has died because Roe v. Wade might not be any more this this law restricting uh, people's ability to protect life on the state level uh, when we know so much of the truth about the human right to life. How do we speak empathetically and compassionately? Yeah, I think a lot of it is about um, just building connections and relationships, um, is about building the bridges to people, um, to all those folks out there who think differently from us and, and believe differently. Um, we can find common ground with all of them and build upon that. So um, there are a lot of people out there who are very concerned, um, you know, law school classmates of mine and, you know, neighbors and, and so many people out there who, um, who don't understand exactly what this might do, or if they do, they may, um, they may have concerns. And so what we need to do is, um, is educate ourselves about just what um, the potential decision from the Supreme Court might mean, um, what that would mean for um, for our nation and for our states and for us as um, as members and citizens of the nation, uh, and then and then to spread that to ensure that others are also um, aware, um, build that awareness of of just what could come out of this opinion and and sort of what the what the parameters are, what the boundaries are. Um, what the truth is once that opinion comes down, and then um, how we can move forward, how we can um, take the already, you know, wonderful resources that we offer to um, to women and and men who are in difficult situations many times, and even expand upon those and make sure that we are reaching out to you know to all those who are uh, going through a tough time, who are in trouble. You know, when you look at at the top reasons why um, why a young woman may consider abortion, um, they generally fall within you know certain categories categories like financial concerns or relationship issues or you know or readiness not feeling ready to be a parent and all of those are areas where we as a compassionate nation and as compassionate communities we are um, we're really supposed to come alongside women and um, and families. And, and help them in all kinds of different ways and make sure that they get the support and the resources that they need. Um, that's why we have the vast network of pregnancy centers and communities throughout our nation, uh, vast and expanding. And that's why, you know, we as compassionate citizens are, 
are reaching out um, to those around us who are in need. So, so just about expanding that um, and continuing those conversations so that, um, so that we can demonstrate that when Roe falls and when we are living in a, um, in a nation where states are empowered to, um, to protect life and to, um, and to enable women to choose life more easily, that, um, that that scene is a good. Yeah, Catherine, I think that's so powerfully said. And I'm contrasting it in my mind, right, with this challenge that we have in our culture right now. You know, Steve, you mentioned uh, in your statement right after the leak occurred uh, that the court should maintain, you said, quote, the moral high ground. It should stick to the clear and courageous language of this draft opinion and not allow itself, you said, to be ruled by the expectations of pro-abortion activists or proxy media allies. I love that language because it speaks to the truth, right? That so much of what Catherine's talking about is made difficult. It's just difficult to encounter uh, our fellow Americans, to encounter even our neighbors in a way that's unmediated and, and not warped by often media portrayals of not the reality surrounding something like Roe v. Wade or abortion law or uh, pro-community, pro-family law or pro-life uh resource centers or what have you, um, because people are just told lie after lie. I'm thinking of this in the context of of seeing there was a a commentator uh, who I won't name, uh, but uh, this person, you know, there was a scandal a few years ago because there was uh, some kind of a an exposure over a telephonic communications method uh, at his workplace. He still has his job, uh, and he was on TV commenting about the the sacred right to an abortion. And this is a guy who, you know, has paid for people's abortions, allegedly. Uh, and so this is the kind of person who's presented as if they're an unbiased news commentator, right? Influencing how people are thinking about this. No disclosures, right? These, this, like, to me, violates, from my perspective, the most basic ethical principles that, hey, if, you know, for instance, you've done certain things, you should disclose that when you're advocating for a certain position. Um, but the media doesn't do that. How do we cut through it? Yeah, one of the byproducts of our modern uh, social media and the chattering class that it has generated is the false notion that um, our commentary can create reality. Uh, and then there's a moment like this when, despite all that the uh, pro-abortion advocates hear from their uh, echo chamber circles, uh, suddenly a switch is flipped and the issue of abortion is no longer a fundamental federal super right, uh, but it's subject to uh, the political um, uh, understanding and, uh, and uh, the, um, uh, the will of the people. And that's, that's hard for them, but it's still reality. We bump up against it. Right. And they will have to deal with that reality. One of the beautiful things of being in this movement over many years is seeing how the respect for life has evolved in culture. More and more people calling themselves pro-life uh, and a uh, turning away from uh, the act of abortion, understanding what abortion really is and does has been a huge part of that ultrasound. Um, and in the legal sphere, uh, seeing how politically it went from a, an issue that people wanted to run from to a, an issue that people uh, 
embrace and uh, has has meant a lot to all of us. Uh, so so much so that um, we now see uh, the uh, overturn of Roe and uh, the return of this issue to the people as a signal moment in constitutional history, in culture, uh, in our in our own lives. Um, that will happen, Lord willing, uh, whether or not people expect that it will. And I think afterward, life will go on. We have a very durable democratic system in America. Um, I think that people who have been so afraid of the court's treatment of Roe and the Dobbs case will see that in the end, all people can do who oppose this decision is gnash their teeth and express their beliefs uh, according to their First Amendment rights, which is great, and vote. And that's all they can do. Uh, And that's as it should be. Uh, So that is to celebrate as well. And I think we can all come together in support of alternatives, right? This is, you know, the, the, the common, common kind of got you attempt that if you have any awareness of what's been going on in America over this issue, you know better. Uh, so it's, you know, it's hard when you hear it not to think it's just a political trap. But Katie, I mean, you encountered this, um, you know, I, I know we were talking right after the leak happened and you had mentioned, you know, you, you one of your first responses, right, was you donated to your local uh, pregnancy resource center. But people don't know about those. Yeah, I would encourage anyone who listens to this to donate to their local uh, pregnancy center. And if you have a monthly donation, terrific. Uh, you know, if you are, feel called to give a little bit more, I think that would be wonderful because there are going to be a lot of women who see that something came out and they don't understand what it is or, you know, they don't take the time to read it because most people do a very top line skim of the news. I do a very top line skim of all news except yeah, we're busy, right? Yeah. at work. We're busy people. So there are going to be a lot of people who are confused and they're going to reach out to pregnancy centers. One of the things that we heard immediately in Texas when their heartbeat law took effect was the pregnancy centers have never had so many people calling and they've never had so many people actually show up for their appointments. So I, yeah, my immediate thought was I need to give them a little bit more and let them know I support them because I'm sure that um, everyone in our community isn't going to feel that way and there will be lashing out at the pregnancy centers, even though, you know, they are here totally to serve. And most of them do so without any government money. Uh, But yeah, I think, you know, it's going to take all of us doing what we can with our time, talents and treasure, and just living in a way that if somebody in your life needs help, they know they can reach out to you. Yeah, no, well said. And I think the and the law plays such an important factor too, right? Because the great danger of the moment we're stepping into is that in certain states like New York or California, there will be a desire to go even further than Roe v. Wade uh, ever ever thought of going, right, Catherine? And you know, the risk there is that uh, is that not only do people need to vote, as Steve said. Uh, but people need to be aware of of the extreme nature of of what might be enshrined in certain states at a state level in terms of something like public funding, taxpayer funding of abortion on a broad scale, uh, let alone some of the things we've seen recently of like City Corporation and others saying, you know, yeah, we'll pay for employees to go abort their children, 
uh, in other states. Um, why? They don't say because, of course, it's easier to have employees without families. You know, they can work harder. They don't cost as much money, et cetera. So there's a lot of various aspects of that. But, you know, for states like California, New York, and in this moment, there's a need incredibly to, to focus on solidarity, I think, as you mentioned, Catherine, um, but also legal solutions, right? That's exactly it. You know, we are, we've already seen over the last uh, few years, um, the different ways in which um, the, the pro-choice, the pro-abortion side has tried to enshrine um, abortion into fe- federal or state law, both. Um, we're seeing that at the federal level, in particular with the Women's Health Protection Act. Um, we've seen, you know, threats to hide protections for funding, um, just all kinds of ways in which Congress and um, and other, you know, administration officials and and so on are um, are really threatening life on a broad scale. You, know, you look at the Women's Health Protection Act and, and even just the name, you know, it sounds sounds it's great. Such a, a good thing, right? <laughs> Um, but it's it's not about health. It's not about protection, and it, it does it does nothing to further the interests of women. Uh, we've seen similar things at the state level. Um, we've seen them in New York, in California, and in, in Maryland. You know, all over the country, and in, in some of our blue states, we've seen really radical bills be introduced. Bills that um, not only enshrine Roe into law, but but go even further than Roe, that strike down all the, the pro-life laws, all the, the laws relating to, to children in the womb, um, striking down laws on fetal homicides so that, you know, even though, you know, wantedness is, uh, is really a pernicious lie, um, but even a, a wanted child who is, um, who is attacked in the, in the course of a crime against the mother, um, you know, there's no justice for that child right. anymore in, in, in some states. And so when you look at that kind of thing, when you look at the um, and some of the laws that are being introduced that um, that sweep away any kind of justice for um, for cases of neglect, even after birth, it's very concerning. So we need to continue to build those relationships, build education, gather together and form that um, those communities, that solidarity that will allow us to advance the cause of life, even in deep blue states, um, looking to the different ways where we can come together and, um, and advance perhaps in, in small ways, you know, baby steps, but, um, but, but continue to stand for life unapologetically. Yeah, I mean, assuming that this decision comes out as we hope it does in, in what we've seen in the draft form, assuming that's the final decision or something close to it, I can't help but think that the moment we're stepping into is sort of akin to that uh, of, you know, the point in American history where it became very clear, you know, that there are some states uh, that view some human persons as not persons, right, in the sense of slavery. There's some slave states and there's some free states uh, and what this reversal will make clear uh, is the distinction between states uh, that view all people as free and equal uh, and deserving of love and protection and those that don't. And it'll allow us to, as Americans, come together to focus on solving uh, that injustice uh, for the states that haven't yet seen the light on it. We've talked about the judicial. Uh, we've talked about the cultural. Uh, we've talked about some of the policy implications. We've talked about solidarity and community aspects. Let's turn now uh, to the political aspect, right? Because Katie, you know, I know as you've seen uh, since this leak has happened, you know, one of the comments you made 
uh, to some media was just the the in the background of this right that perhaps one of the motivations for this leak uh, was to allow uh, this to become a major issue even earlier in the upcoming midterm elections. Perhaps uh, there was a, a motivation um, to you know have Congress uh, intervene in some way to try to codify to try to blow up the filibuster. Um, so I, I thought. In advance uh, of, of some of those conversations, it would be useful to actually step back a moment in time uh, and to hear uh, f- words from uh, President Biden, but from many years ago. So let's, let's pause for a moment and listen to these words from then U.S. Senator uh, Joe Biden. I, I do not view abortion as a, uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. And they ought to be able to have a common ground and consensus as to do that. I do not view abortion, Joe Biden said, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that it should be rare. I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. This is from 2006. I'm going to open the floor. Anybody have any thoughts on that? He's right. It is a tragedy. I did not expect to agree with the president on this, but here we go. Yeah, quite a bit different from uh, a lot of politicians today who say the opposite. It should be uh, safe, which it's not. It should be legal uh, and it should be everywhere and shouted. Um, it's quite a different mindset, uh, rather stunning. Well, and this is the opinion that aligns with his voting patterns for the most part. This is someone who voted for the Hyde Amendment, uh, preventing federal taxpayer funds from being spent on abortions uh, for 40 years in a row. It's somebody who voted for the partial birth abortion ban. Obviously, you know, another clip maybe you're going to play. Um, so cut this if you do, is that he said about Judge, Judge Bork, this is why I worked so hard to keep him off the court. So while there are certainly times where he said things like this, like abortion is a tragedy, um, he also this week was very quiet part loud about the fact that he borked Judge Bork to keep him off the Supreme Court because of his views on abortion and Roe versus Wade. All right. So now we're going to fast forward in time a bit to Joe Biden, December 2019. And let me, let me, the, the best way to say it, if I get elected to president of the United States and the Supreme Court overrules uh, Roe v. Wade, I'm going to send legislation to the United States Congress to pass it and, co- and codify it. All right. As you can tell from the applause, that was at a Democratic town hall meeting. Joe Biden, 2019, if I get elected president and the Supreme Court overrules Roe v. Wade, I'm going to send legislation to Congress to pass it and codify it. How do we go from abortion is a tragedy, it should be limited, it's not a choice, it's not a right, Joe Biden, to if the court overrules it, I'm going to try to force Congress to codify this tragedy. Is this just politics? I mean, is it, what is this? What is the answer uh, here? Honestly, yes. Billions of dollars in uh, funding from Planned Parenthood and other pro-abortion advocacy groups funneling to these politicians for many years, forcing them to take more and more extreme views 
on abortion. That's the bottom line. Um, they have danced with the devil, and now they've got to pay the piper. That's very sad, but that's the bottom line. CNN reported this week that during the primary, uh, several Biden staffers came to him and said, you have to completely change your views on abortion. You cannot talk about being personally pro-life or you will not win this primary. So I thought it was kind of funny that CNN was also reporting that the president said Republicans have chosen power over principle. He very clearly chose power over principle when he changed his stance on abortion to win the presidency. Yeah, and Catherine, it's hard to imagine, right? If Joe Biden had stuck to his previous position, had stuck to his principles uh, on, you know, a semi, semi-pro-life perspective, I mean, he arguably would have won more than 81 million votes, don't you think? Absolutely. He would have joined the millions upon millions of proudly pro-life Democrats in our nation. You know, we have... Um, you know, uh, I've seen polls that say 21 million, a third of registered Democrats who, you know, may not be as pro-life as as we are, but, you know, at least support, you know, serious, significant rollbacks um, to Roe, um, support the, you know, in effect, the overturn of Roe because of the because of the rollbacks that they support and would say that, you know, that they support life. Uh, when you look at the at the polling after we talked about some of those state-level um, attacks on life, the state-level laws earlier, the New York Reproductive Health Act, after that passed, we saw a dramatic shift in the percentage of Democrats who specifically called themselves pro-life because they took a look at that law. And even the, the reporting couldn't hide what it did, you know, sweeping away all the protections. And they said, well, if that's what pro-choice is, then we want no part of that. I guess we're pro-life after all. And so he would have found himself in very good company with, um, with you know, the, the millions of pro-life Democrats who, um, who would come alongside him. And, um, and in fact, supported by, um, by the principles of, uh, of his party, you know, the, the party that claims to be the party of, um, of, of the little guy, of, you know, of, of protecting the, the vulnerable and the disenfranchised and the marginalized. Um, it's hard to think of a more disenfranchised and marginalized population than children in the womb in America in 2022. And, um, and so I would hope that, um, that he would see that and would, would come around and reject those big abortion dollars and, and truly, you know, put his money and his action where his mouth is. All right. We're going to hear twice more from our now president, Joe Biden. We're going to jump way back now to 1986 and hear what Joe Biden had to say then as U.S. Senator. There is an overwhelming universal criticism by proponents of pro-choice and opponents of, of pro-choice that Roe v. Wade was not a very well-reasoned decision. Most constitutional scholars do not offer that as an example of whether they're for or against abortion, a decision that is well-written and well-reasoned. Not the conclusion, but the, you know, if uh, uh, they, it's, not, it's not offered as a way to write a decision. Now, isn't that interesting? In 1986, you heard that little bit where he kind of sneaks in. Now, there's not, maybe not criticism of the decision, right? As if a legal scholar, with respect to our esteemed attorneys, you know, has anything to say about the moral uh, conclusion of that, right? There's a, there's a moral basis there where the, the outcome of that is abortion, right? It's a, it's a decision that has ethical freight to it, uh, but he's there at least critiquing 
Roe, right? In the way that Justice Ginsburg and others have. Yeah, he's prevaricating, as Katie said, a lot of politicians in this era did. Um, the truth is that it had nothing to do with poor drafting or poor conception. Roe was wrong, as the opinion of Justice Alito says from the get-go, because there was nothing in constitutional history, in the text, uh, or in the court's own interpretations uh, that um, lent any support. It was, as Justice Byron White said, a raw exercise of judicial power. That raw exercise of judicial power, hopefully, will now soon be corrected by this court, and that will be an act of integrity and mercy, uh, not an act of uh, power. And uh, I look forward to that day soon. All right. Now, finally, we're going to hear from President Joe Biden just after the draft opinion from the Supreme Court was leaked. Well, the idea that we're going to make a judgment that is going to say that no one can make the judgment to choose to abort a child based on a decision by the Supreme Court, I think goes way overboard. Choose to abort a child? I didn't realize we were talking about children. Yeah, um, last I heard, we were talking about clumps of cells and you know, masses of... Barely a human, right? A pregnancy that maybe will turn into a baby. Potential life. Um, so this is quite interesting. Um, thank you for that enlightenment, um, President Biden. But, you know, really, uh, I, I think it's, um, it's quite interesting that, um, that in those moments, we still slip into the truth. You know, sometimes... Bingo. Yeah, yeah, he 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 got off his talking points apparently because it's been a long, long time since Planned Parenthood used that that terminology. They used to decades ago, um, back before they uh, they hired their their spin doctors and their big marketing firms. But um, but yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about children. We're talking about human beings. And until we can protect every human being um, in our nation then we have not achieved justice. I think as we come to a close in this important conversation, of course, there's going to be much more to come. We hope that the Supreme Court releases its final decision soon. It's going to be, you know, every hour and day that passes since the leak, uh, I think to a certain degree is going to heighten the tension in the country. Uh, there's already been a lot of tension outside the Supreme Court itself. There have been folks on both sides of the issue who have made themselves very visible and vocal. Um, but whatever the timeline, whether we get it finally in a few hours or days or whether it comes out as many do in the final hours of June, we hope that this is a decision uh, that sticks to what we've seen in the draft opinion. Uh, we hope that the, the tragedy of abortion is no longer uh, a matter controlled by the Supreme Court. Uh, in the words of Clark Forsyth from AUL, uh, that the Supreme Court is no longer the de facto National Abortion Control Board, but that lawmakers, that legislators can once again protect life, can do what they think is best as America's elected representatives. Um, I'm just curious if, if any of you have any kind of closing thoughts or reflections uh, about this particular moment in time. Just immense gratitude to uh, an amazing team at Americans United for Life and for all of our colleagues and co-laborers who've been working this for so long uh, to protect life. Um, I don't know 
what history will say about us, but I do know that at the great judgment seat, I believe our deeds will be recorded well. And um, I'm humbled to think about that and uh, grateful to see this moment at hand. I would agree with all of that. Um, I am so incredibly grateful um, to the entire AUL team, to all pro-life advocates, whether they're uh, national leaders or state or community leaders or, or just, um, or just the person living out their life and living a, um, living a culture of life in their own, in their own way, um, in their, their workplace or their community and their neighborhood, um, in their church, wherever they may be. Um, you know, it takes, every American working together. And for nearly 50 years, we have been, we've been doing just that. We've been uh, working together, building together, fighting together, uh, arm in arm. We've been planting the seeds that are now uh, 50 years in starting to come to fruit. We at, at Americans United for Life, we've been filing the briefs that are finally being heard. We've been building that cause for life and, um, and just strategizing together. You know, how do we, how do we reach those women? How do we reach those in need, um, those in need of the truth, of resources? Um, but this this moment, this um, this draft opinion, that's what the, the 228 members of Congress who signed on to, to our brief that, that Americans United for Life drafted um, asked for, and the three members of Congress who wrote separately what they asked for. It's what state after state after state has asked for, and it's what um, so many... It, a majority of the American people have asked for just the chance to protect life, the chance to empower women, the chance to work together to find better solutions, uh, to find, um, to create, to build an America that's that's what we all deserve. Yeah, no, that's that's so well said, Catherine. I think you know I, I'm not going to bury the lead here, right? If you're listening to this and you're proudly pro-life and you want to make an impact in this moment in time. Support Americans United for Life. Visit our website, AUL.org. Check out what we've been doing, particularly when it comes to Dobbs, when it comes to this crucial case before the court that appears uh, to be the reason the court can now reverse Roe v. Wade and can end this control over the issue of abortion. Visit AUL.org slash Dobbs to learn about all that work uh, and what comes next. Uh, we have a great video that talks about what comes next for America, for the pro-life movement. Um, we need your gift. We need your support. Uh, if you haven't made a gift at all, we encourage a one-time gift. If you uh, are, have given in the past and want to continue your commitment, consider signing up as a monthly donor. You know, Catherine, I know you and I were talking a few weeks ago when that news came out about Mackenzie Scott, the former wife of uh, Jeff Bezos, right, of Amazon. Mackenzie Scott made this crazy gift, like $275 million or something, dollars to Planned Parenthood, to the, the cause of abortion. And in moments like that, you know, you, you feel sort of a, a pain and a kind of a regret because you realize what this this kind of gift, the scale of this gift, $275 million is going to do, you know, what it can do. Um, but time and time again, when we see the kind of big elite money going to, unfortunately, the cause of abortion, even just words, you know, the words of somebody like former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg, uh, who reportedly said, kill it, uh, when it came to a, a woman who worked at his company who was pregnant and was concerned about career advancement, um, whether it's words uh, or deeds, like cash gifts, we know on the pro-life side the impact of every dollar. And part of the reason we know that is because we have the truth on our side. 
right? In the David versus Goliath fight, we're the David, uh, and we know what a little bit of energy and spunk and truth can do. And so, you know, if you're out there and you're the type like me who sees these kind of headlines and you see, gosh, how can we make an impact given the scale of the forces arrayed against the pro-life cause? Well, just realize that Americans United for Life and all of our groups uh, allied in the pro-life cause over so many decades have brought America to this point with very little, right, in comparison to the Goliaths on the pro-abortion side. And yet, life is winning in America. So, you know, Catherine, I know you're out there all the time on the road in the states, meeting with lawmakers, meeting with advocates on the grassroots, and you see the impact of that gift, don't you? I absolutely do. Um, I, I see the impact um, uh, of that of that huge gift on the other side. I, in fact, I I just drove by one of those Planned Parenthood mega centers, um, and I just I, I had to I had to stop for a minute. Um, I just I saw what it's like. I, I knew what was. Um, the tragedy that happens inside that building, um, the the sorrow, the pain, the suffering, the weeping. Um, I, I know what it's like. I've been behind those doors, but I also see the beauty of um, of a gift for life. Um, we don't see those, you know, two hundred plus million dollar gifts. We don't see that that kind of thing on our side, but we're able to um, to in that small way. Um, we're able to um, to use that and 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 bring that to bear in the fight for life. We're able to use that to reach out to uh, to the lawmakers to file that brief that's going to go before the judge, to um, to reach out to our allied groups and connect with them, and just you know and just the citizens of our nation and and reaching out to those people who um, who need to hear the pro life message. You know that's um, that's what we are able to do with. Um, with a gift, as as the saying goes, um, the truth will out. Um, you know, Shakespeare said it best. <laughs> but um, but that's that's really that's really the core here. Um, yeah. That that there is a greater truth. There's a higher truth, and we're just um, we're just the messengers of that. And so we're able to do so much with those small gifts because we have right. We have justice on our side. Yeah. Yeah, your gift allows us to create and to promote the culture of gift, right? The kind of gift that allows uh, everybody who feels like they have no choice uh, to make a choice other than abortion. So again, thank you for listening to our conversation today. Uh, I hope you're as excited as we are at this moment in time for the pro-life cause, for the cause of justice. Um, visit aul.org slash give and slash Dobbs to learn about our work and to learn about how you can come alongside us. Catherine, Steve, Katie, thank you so much for this conversation. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. All right. If you enjoyed our conversation today with Catherine Glenn Foster, Steve Aiden, and Katie Glenn from Americans United for Life on this leak of the draft opinion, apparently set to reverse Roe v. Wade, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you listen to the show, rate it, leave a review. Let a friend know you've discovered life, liberty, and law. Thanks for listening. Till next time, I am Tom Shakley.